morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, July 27th. One of the world's most famous characters, one almost all of us grew up with, made the very first appearance on this date back in 1940. Can you guess who that was? I'll tell you a bit later. But first, let's head over to the First Alert Weather Center to see what Mother Nature has in store for us today. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sofheim. Warm, muggy, and dry out the door this morning. Slight chance of rain on the way for today. Most of you will stay dry. Highs go into the mid-90s this afternoon. Heat index will be around 105 degrees. Stay hydrated. Stay cool out there. It gets even hotter tomorrow, up to 96. Slight chance of rain Thursday, Friday. Mostly sunny sky. Heat index near 110 degrees. And as we go toward the weekend, it looks like we're going to stay fairly dry. Very small chance of rain with highs in the mid-90s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org slash careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. It's time to swing on over to the news desk for your headlines. A man accused of shooting and killing his teenage son and hurting his wife is expected to appear in court today. 46-year-old Andre Green is charged with murder and attempted murder. The Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office says that Green shot his 14-year-old son and his wife at their home on Merlin Road around 6 o'clock Monday night. His son died, but his wife survived. Investigators say they don't know a motive for that shooting just yet. North Charleston police are asking for help finding a missing teen. 15-year-old Tania Grant was last seen yesterday afternoon around 3. Take a good look at your screen. She's described as 4 feet 11 inches tall and 120 pounds. Anyone with information is asked to contact the sergeant on that case at 740-5894. A judge's ruling now sends the fate of South Carolina's six-week abortion ban to the state Supreme Court. A state judge denied a request to temporarily block the fetal heartbeat law, which means it can continue to be enforced. Circuit Court Judge Casey Manning granted a request to move the case to the state's highest court. The South Carolina fetal heartbeat law prohibits most abortions after around six weeks, a time opponents argue that many women don't even know that they're pregnant. South Carolina Republican Governor Henry McMaster told reporters that he believes Manning's transfer was a good decision. You don't need all the discovery and other such things as you would have had at, at, at the trial level. So I, I think that's a, a, a good development. And I think the Supreme Court, when they rule, I, I believe they will uphold our heartbeat law. Lawyers for the abortion provider plaintiffs argued this law violates the guaranteed rights in the state constitution to privacy and equal protection. They had asked Judge Manning to temporarily block the law from being enforced as it makes its way through the legal system, but he denied that request. 
Meanwhile, the Justice Department has a new web page offering some resources for people impacted by the Supreme Court's Roe versus Wade reversal. The department's Reproductive Rights Task Force set up the page on the DOJ's website. It's their first official action since being established earlier this month to protect abortion rights under federal law. That web page includes a section called Protecting Access to Reproductive Services. It's for people who have been treated or threatened or discriminated against for seeking an abortion. A new U.S. attorney for South Carolina has been sworn in. Adair Ford Burroughs was nominated by President Biden last month. She was confirmed by the U.S. Senate last week and was sworn in at a ceremony right here in Charleston yesterday. She replaces interim U.S. attorney Corey Ellis, who took that position after Peter McCoy resigned. Tens of millions of dollars are heading to South Carolina's technical colleges. It's all a part of an extension of a program announced last spring by uh, Governor McMaster. He announced the extension yesterday. He says the money from the workforce scholarships for the future program will be used to help cover the costs of tuition and fees at the colleges for both recent high school grads and adults. McMaster also says with the recent economic growth here in our state, creating over 64,000 jobs in the last few years. He says that funding like this uh, will benefit the growth in the long run. The $25 million investment combined with $39 million allocated by the General Assembly in the state budget is expected to help about 40,000 South Carolinians. You can go your own way. I'm trying early in the morning morning. to sing it. Or head to Credit One Stadium this fall to see legendary artist Stevie Nicks. I love her. Credit One announced this week that Stevie Nicks and special guest Vanessa Carlton will be here on uh, October 19th. Yes, she will. The landslide singer canceled her 2021 tour dates out of caution for COVID-19, but will resume that tour after a summer filled with music festivals. Tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock in the morning this Friday. Vanessa Carlson is the first thing that I ever tried to learn on piano. Really? Was one of I, her songs. She's been around for a little while, right? Yeah, both yeah, of them. Yeah. I remember. Not well, as I long as Stevie Nicks. Nicks. No, not as long no. as Stevie Nicks. Yes. I love right. both of them. This just into the first alert desk, a California man is now in custody after carjacking a construction truck and leading authorities on a chase down the highway. Here is a look at some video taken by the CBS affiliate in Los Angeles. You can see sparks flying as the suspect in a stolen construction truck flies down the highway in the San Gabriel Valley at one point slamming into another car. Authorities were eventually able to trap the suspect by pinning the vehicle to the center divider. However, he fled the truck and ran across the freeway. That suspect was eventually cornered against a wall and taken into custody with a canine unit. Well, the city of Goose Creek wants to spend millions of dollars to build three new ball fields to offer more recreational options for locals. Now, as Ray Arena reports, <laughs> reports, the fields could be built as part of an agreement between them and the Berkeley County School District. <laughs> The city of Goose Creek is looking to spend $2.5 million to build three new ball fields in Carnes Crossroads that would be split between students in the day and neighbors at night. 
The multi-purpose fields will be built alongside the Berkeley County School District's upcoming Carolyn Lewis School, a K-8 that will house up to 1,200 students. The fields will have nighttime lighting, with the city maintaining the fields and paying for electricity, while the school district would pay for the water and sewer fees. Mayor Greg Habib says the project will be funded by its municipal improvement district, meaning the people who live there now won't pay for it. The city's recreation director says there's a need for more fields in the area. So currently um, our soccer fields are closer to the Hanahan um, entrance of town. And so our, as our city expands out in that direction, it will give, um, it'll lessen the commute for our community. This proposed agreement between Goose Creek and the Berkeley County School District will be brought up again at the next city council meeting in two weeks. Now the city hopes these fields will be completed in fall 2023 when the new school campus opens its doors. Reporting in Goose Creek, Ray Urena, Live 5 News. Well, a Lowcountry running group continues to try and save the Danny Jones Park running track. This comes after the city of North Charleston announced plans to rebuild the entire area. The Park Circle Pacers are a group of runners who practice at the track every Tuesday. They have about 300 members, and last night's practice doubled as a demonstration. Their workout included a rally to save the track and was joined by runners from the Charleston groups. The runners say they were never consulted when the city announced that it would be demolishing it. The newly renovated library at Mount Pleasant will be reopening next week. The Charleston County Public Library says there's going to be a ribbon cutting ceremony on the morning of Saturday, August 6th. The branch on Mathis Ferry Road has been closed for renovation since May of 2021. Improvements to the branch include new shelving, new books, furniture, and updated areas for kids and teens. The renovation project is part of a larger $100 million effort passed in 2014 to build five new libraries and renovate existing branches. Charleston County residents can legally tether their animals outside of whenever they want for as long as they want, but a group wants to change that. The Charleston Animal Legislative Action League is a bipartisan organization calling for a law to create consequences for potential cases of animal cruelty. The group spoke with lawmakers to gain their support, and they plan to meet with the Charleston Animal Society and Animal Control in the coming weeks. The group wants guidelines to be more clear on animal tethering. A national animal welfare group says shelters in our state helped save more than 87,000 animals last year. Best Friends Animal Society puts together that data each year. They say the shelters in our state have a save rate of 84 percent. Now, meaning the dogs and cats that are taken to the shelter eventually leave instead of being euthanized or for medical or behavioral reasons or because there's not enough space. Now, the Charleston Animal Society has a goal for the state to become a no-kill state by the year of 2024. Tuition costs and family support are just a few reasons why college is unattainable for some high schoolers. Yeah, a local caddy program is looking to break those barriers and provide underserved youth with an opportunity to earn a full college scholarship. Yeah, uh, Life Five's Lauren Quinlan joining us live now. And Lauren, can you tell us more about the program? Yes, Michael, Aisha, the Charleston Municipal Golf Course is offering a handful of students the opportunity to earn money and work as a caddy, but also earn a full college scholarship worth $120,000. 
Through the Western Golf Association's Chick Evans Scholarship, the ideal candidate to be awarded the opportunity must meet a few requirements. They'll need to have a strong caddy record, excellent academics, a financial need, and an outstanding character. With nine students, this is the first summer Charleston Muni is taking part in this program. Hal Kilborn works firsthand with these students and says they learn and grow daily. Their interpersonal communication skills have all increased, and that's something that I got from caddying as well. It really teaches you how to commute or communicate with someone and relate with someone for four hours. It's really great for that. Kimberly Hernandez is part of the program this summer, and Kilborn believes she is a perfect candidate. This summer, he has taught Hernandez and her cohort the ins and outs of caddying, from learning the clubs, getting yardages, and fixing pitch marks. Hernandez says the days are long and hot, but she doesn't let it get in the way of her goals of one day becoming a doctor. And she says her family is her inspiration. It came from my little brother who has needs, so I always wanted to support him. And I still want to be a physical therapist. That's like one of the things. This program is part of a new East Coast expansion initiative by WGA to provide more opportunities to help students in areas like here in South Carolina become more eligible for the Evans Scholarship. Officials with WGA say they are continuing to expand this program across the East Coast and right here in South Carolina. So if you're looking to apply to the next program, visit our website at live5news.com and click on this story. Reporting live in Charleston, Lauren Quinlan, Live 5 News. Well, this evening, Berkeley County will be holding a public meeting to inform the public about its accommodations tax and how organizations can apply for those grants. Molly McBride joining us live from Berkeley County. And Molly, you spoke with the county's director of tourism. What did she say uh, is in store for this meeting later today? Yeah, tonight's main goal is to inform the public about what an accommodations tax is, who can apply for these grants, and if awarded, what the money can be used for. Accommodations tax is a 2% 2 tax collected on lodging, hotel rooms, Airbnbs, and other overnight stays. The tax is then distributed back into the community by funding tourism-related expenditures. Organizations that host events, festivals, or activities that promote tourism and attract visitors can apply for funding via an accommodations tax grant. Berkeley County's tourism department is relatively new. It was created a little under three years ago. Because it's so new, people are still hearing about the department and about this opportunity. Berkeley County's director of tourism, Rachel Knight, says she wants to spread the word. We're getting out there uh, through the Berkeley County Parks, Rec, and Tourism departments to really get this word out and, and to help people uh, bring light to their organization, but also to bring in, like I said, those outside visitors and guests. The application period opens August 1st and is open for 30 days. For more information about tonight's meeting and what exactly um, qualifies as a tourism-related expenditure, visit live5news.com and click on this story. Reporting live in Berkeley County, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. One famous name is celebrating a birthday today. Norman Lear, the television producer who brought us an array of shows like All in the Family, Good Times, Maud, and many others, turns 100 today. Also celebrating a birthday this Wednesday, singer Maureen McGovern is 73, comedian Bill Engvall is 65, and comedian Maya Rudolph is 50. 
And that character that I mentioned at the top of the show who made his first appearance on this date in 1940, that would be our dear friend Bugs Bunny. His very first animated short, A Wild Hare, premiered 82 years ago today. What a blast from the past. Well, thanks again for joining us for Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning, y'all. Produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.